Well, hey, what's going on, family of God? Uh, I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, this is season two, episode two, 17. We got some new characters again, all right? Uh, and so I'm not going to tell an old person joke. Unlike Osagi last week, Paul used to be on the elder board with us and can probably fire me still, okay? And so he was also responsible for my salary, so you are the godliest man I know. Man. Right? So, uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, we're gonna be bouncing around a little bit today, but we want your eyes on the word. Uh, we say that every week, man, get your eyes on the scripture. Listen, my words have no power to actually alter your heart unless the Holy Spirit infuses them, but the Holy Spirit always submits himself to the word that he's already spoken. And so we want your eyes on the word to be able to see that. And so we're starting a new short series called Fight for Community. And if you've been at the well for a while, you've heard uh, us use this phrase. It's one of our core convictions here uh, as a church. In fact, just for quick reference, we break down our mission and vision into three words. It's exalt, disciple, send. And within each of these, we have three or four convictions that we follow, which you can see on the screen there. And each of these convictions, we break down into specific distinctives or ways that we particularly want to carry this out as a church. And so for the living community one, for example, uh, we believe that this is key towards discipleship. And our distinctive reads, we do not find community, we fight for community. And so we don't find, we fight. Particularly, we strive to be a diverse community that foreshadows our true home. So you can read all of our convictions and our distinctives on our website underneath the Mission and Vision tab if you're interested in that. But each of these convictions, we believe, actually feeds into the other. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this idea of living in community and show how exalt, disciple, and send each actually play into that as a conviction of ours and how living in community actually impacts the way we exalt, disciple, and send for the glory of God? How does community help us live these out? And how do these understandings help us to live in community? Cool? And so you may say, well, that seems weird that we're talking about community when we can't even see each other. (laughs) You got it. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, My guess is that each of us, whether we realize it or not, we are actually longing for community right now. We are probably suffering because of the lack of true community, uh, your relationship with God is likely only hitting like five out of 10 max because of this season. And I want to encourage you to fight for community both now in this season, as awkward as it might be. And what we also want to do is create a longing and understanding as to what we are missing so that when we are able to finally hug each other again, we will know and feel the value of community. Shoot, I'm not going to lie. The first time I see y'all, I might give y'all a holy kiss, all right? The, the men at least, all right? I ain't finna get fired in this mug, okay? So uh, today we're gonna look at exalt and we're gonna look at how exalt impacts our understanding of community. What does being Christ-centered, gospel-saturated, and spirit-empowered have to do with community? And so we'll look at all three of those and how it feeds into community, how community feeds into those three things. So I'm gonna have my good friend Julie Meck go ahead and read, uh, and we're gonna start it right in the beginning, Genesis 1. Hi everyone, my name is Julie Meck and I am one of the Sunday Ops Captains here at The Well and I'm going to be doing today's scripture reading from Genesis 1, 1 and 26 and 27. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. I'd also be remiss in my Sunday absurdities if I didn't mention that the Bible that I was reading from was left um, at the well sometime definitely before the pandemic, possibly while at Campbell. So if it looks familiar to you, please email one of the well staff and we'll get you reunited. Miss you guys. Hey, thank you, Julie. Um, community relationships, they are vital for our existence. I mean, you've seen Castaway or I Am Legend, right? Like, or the human goes crazy and starts talking to volleyballs when we do not have each other, okay? Uh, we all thought that Anna from Frozen was crazy when she was ready to marry the first person that she had seen after being quarantined her whole teenage life. And now we're like, oh, the window is open, so is that door, right? And so, uh, Listen, you are hardwired, okay? You are literally intricately made by God to desire, long for, need even community because you are actually created in the image of God himself. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. So it's not good. We should not be alone. We are made for one another. Why? Well, there's several things here. First of all, in Genesis 1-1, we see this beautiful mystery as we crack open the first words of the Bible, the mystery of God begins to blossom for us and the mystery of who he is is revealed right away. The Hebrew word there for God is the word Elohim and it's actually a plural noun. But then that word uh, created, which is a verb, is the word bara, and that's a singular verb, which is incorrect grammar, okay? And so what is this showing? Well, it's showing that there was actually one being who created the word And yet there was multiple beings within that one being. Syntax error, okay? (laughs) The spinning wheel of death, all right? Uh, From the jump, we get this picture of a God who is three and yet one. And we call this, as Christians, the Trinity. As Christians, we believe that our God is triune. He exists in three persons, yet there is only one God. And Genesis 1-1 immediately clues us in on this mystery. If you go down to verse 26 then, which we read there as well, you'll see let us, plural, make mankind in our image image and our plural likeness. And so man and women were created in the image of God, not only in the image of God, but also in the likeness of God, which means we thrive when we are acting like God because we were made to represent and reflect him. And from the beginning, we actually see that God exists in relationship, y'all. He is in relationship with himself. We do not serve a God who is isolated or alone or singular. We serve a triune God who whose very existence is flooded with this perfect, beautiful relationship. God is relational. The Father, Son, and Spirit, each having relationship with each other. And he made us in his image and likeness, meaning we thrive in relationships as well. We were created in the image of God to reflect him. It is not good when we are alone, because when we are alone, we are not acting like or imaging our God who is never alone. We were made to be like him. You following this? Yeah? Okay. 
And so a human example, right? Micaiah, my daughter, is made in my image and in my likeness, which I can't tell is a good or a bad thing yet, okay? Uh, but she is going to look somewhat like me, so we'll see if I look beautiful as a woman, okay? Uh, and she's probably going to have a lot of the same characteristics as me and even tendencies as me as well in my likeness, right? Well, God has a perfect relationship, and if he enjoys this perfect relationship, then makes us in his image and likeness, then what do you think one of the biggest things that we desire to experience is? relationship. We were made in the image and likeness of God. A study uh, done several years ago from the University of Utah actually gathered information from about 308,000 people, okay? That's a pretty dope sample size, all right? If you don't know statistics, that's really good, okay? Uh, And they found that people with good relationships were 50% less likely to die early than those that had bad relationships. The same study showed that having no relationships or only bad relationships was equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. (laughs) Poor social relationships were considered to be twice as harmful as obesity. You hear me say this often, I need you, you need me, we need each other. We were created for relationships. We literally start to die when we don't have them because we are no longer reflecting the beauty of God whose likeness we were created in. And so in our creation, we were created for each other. Each of us uh, literally from our being desires this connection. And this is one of the purposeful designs showing us how we are made to be like God. Not just in holiness or in justice or in love, but in our desire for one another. And so as we're thinking about this Christ-centered ideal, gospel-saturated idea and how community floods from that, literally you see Christ who in his very essence is a relational being. And we also begin to think about the gospel. The gospel can be broken down in four really simple words, okay? Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so we just saw creation our design and how we were created, but we all know that that junk didn't stay perfect, right? And something worse than Corona came and fractured our connection both to God and to each other. And so if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree. And this was actually the only command that he gave to them. He didn't give all these burdens. It was one command for them to do. And they were like, ah, let me get just a little nibble, right? Uh, And they rebelled, jacked everything up, and then they were naked with fig trees uh, hiding themselves from God, okay? That's a terrible... If you want to go read Genesis 3 for a better recap, read down to verse 9, okay? Uh, And you can picture that better. And then once you get there, I'm going to have my boy Terrence uh, go ahead and pick it up in verse 9 for us. So go ahead, T. Hey, Well family. My name is Terrence. I'm a covenant member here at The Well, serving on the Usher team and also a member of the East MLK community group. And today I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 3 verses 9 through 19. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat for all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. 
he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbirthing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it for all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I thank you, Terrence. And so you see that man's relationship with God is altered. Rather than enjoying intimacy with God, there is now this hiding, this separation from God. God has to be the missionary and actually come to him. In fact, God has always been the missionary and the one coming to us. In Genesis 4, he comes to Cain. In Genesis 6, he comes to Noah. On and on and on until you get Jesus, the ultimate missionary that comes to us. God always does the work to bridge the gap between us and him. And so you see God entering into this missionary battlefield here, but it wasn't just our relationship with God that was fractured, but man's relationship with man was also fractured at the fall. You saw in the last chapter, actually, where uh, Adam actually looked at Eve after God had created her, and he was like, dang, right? Hey, yo, what up, girl? You trying to holla? Okay. Uh, I feel like you're a part of me already. That's, that, was his, that was his pickup line, all right? So, uh, and now, right, all of a sudden, he's looking at her and says, hey, I told you, God, don't give me this woman, right? Like, I was cool. Me and my dog, Daisy, we were chilling over here. Well, I need no woman, okay? It is your fault and her fault. Look at how he equates uh, Eve's sin with God himself actually calling God a sinner. It says, you gave, she gave. Exact same verb. And so now Adam is actually blaming both God, fractured relationship vertically, and Eve, fractured relationship horizontally. And every time we sin, we are actually tempted to blame others and to blame God. Be careful with that, y'all. Own your own faults, okay? And so he's blaming her. This creates this fraction, but then it gets even worse. It says there in verse 16 that the woman now desires her husband. She longs for this intimacy and this affection and this connection even to the extent of trying to control him at times. That word desire is the same Hebrew word for the word control. And so, but what does he do? He tries to then rule over her, it says. This word means to overly dominate. And so rather than being sacrificial, he begins to be selfish. And man has been trying to over-dominate woman ever since that day in the garden, rather than allowing her to be who God has created her to be. And there's this severing that happens. This isn't just in marriage though, or between male and female. We see in the next chapter, Cain kills Abel, so it's brother against brother. We see two chapters later where the whole world begins to mock Noah, and so it's man against man. And then Babel happens in Genesis 11, and we go on and on. All creation is marred and fractured because of rebellion and the sin of mankind. That includes our relationship to each other. That includes the way we connect with one another. 
In fact, even the ground begins to rebel against Adam and creation itself is fractured with man who is supposed to take care of creation. It actually begins to harm God's original intention. If you don't believe this, what is Corona? Corona is nature fracturing us that much further. It is thorns and thistles in our relationship with each other working against us, creation unraveling around us. There is something wrong in the world, y'all. There is something wrong in us, if we're honest. Things aren't how they're supposed to be. And the reason we say that you got to fight for community in part is because now we are working against sin and the effects of sin. Sin is trying to keep us away from how we were created. Sin is trying to further fracture us from one another. And so this can happen through diseases like we're talking about, but more commonly it happens through a lack of unity with one another. And so because you're a Republican or because you're a Democrat, then you're stupid. Right? And literally, I'm going to allow a political ideology to separate me from men and women that God has created to actually help me thrive in my relationship with God. But instead, I'm going to hold myself up as higher and allow further fraction because of something as small as earthly politics, y'all. Don't you see how we do that in everything? I'm going to cancel you and therefore walk in further separation. That's the culture, the climate that we're living in. We say this a lot with race and ethnicity, but it's true in every realm. If everyone around you looks just like you, you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're loving an extension of yourself. And so just like each person of the Trinity is completely unified, y'all, yet they look different in their person, in their work. So we should strive to have our souls augmented by one another, that our differences actually bring out the beauty of God. And so we fight for diversity and yet unity within that diversity, which is how God designed it in the first place. This is what we should be striving towards. You see, sin severs our relationship, not just with God, but with each other. And if we're not careful, then we will allow the brokenness in our own souls to further drive us away from how we were created. And we will not have intimate, connected relationships with each other. And we will allow Corona, the brokenness of creation, to isolate or to further separate us from each other. Or we will allow the sin in our own hearts to isolate and further separate. We need each other. You were created to be connected to others because you were created to image your God in heaven. Now, don't get it twisted, okay? I'm not saying that we should put others in harm's way for community. Don't read into things I'm not actually saying, okay? Uh, But I am saying we should fight for community in this time, that even if it looks awkward or different than normal, that your soul actually thrives in community. You literally need it. So how can we fight for it even in this season? We got to fight for for it and long for it, y'all. You were created for it. I remember actually in college when this reality kind of came to me most clearly. I went away to college and I started thriving in my relationship with God. And so I was being discipled by these different men and just in really, really solid Christian community. And I would go from September to December or from January to, you know, uh, April or May, and I would be thriving in my relationship with God. I would literally be running and, and chasing 
chasing after Jesus and killing sin, and I would feel alive. Then I would go home for break, and just within those three to four weeks, I would literally feel my soul start to deteriorate, and I would fall back into old sin and and old patterns and bad habits, whatever they might be. And literally, like I used to think that that was a sign of weakness. That when I was separated, I was no longer strong. That I couldn't stand by myself. What's wrong with me? That I need all these other people to help me become godly. I must not have arrived. What if it was actually a sign of my strength? What if it was actually a sign that I was getting it? That I was created for community, and as I put myself in community, I begin to thrive. And when I'm removed from it and isolated, I start to get hurt. I was created for community. I think that was a sign, mistakenly, of my own strength. And I remember my junior year realizing that, and when I went home for breaks, still trying to fight for community, and it wasn't as bad. And literally, I started thriving. We need each other, y'all. Just because you're suffering right now doesn't mean that there's something wrong between you and Jesus. It might be that you and I aren't connecting, that you and your sister aren't connecting, that there's a separation and we need each other to thrive because we were made in the image of God and he himself thrives in relationship, y'all. This is how we were created. But listen, God did not leave us without hope, right? In the middle of creation unraveling, God gave a promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that one day the Savior would come and he would crush the head of sin and Satan and begin the process of restoration. That savior is our King Jesus. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was not only separated from God, but he was also separated from his disciples and from those whom he loved. You see, most of his human relationships while he was hanging on that tree were gone and most deserted him and others mocked him and spit on him and beat him and gambled for his clothes. Why? Because that's what you and I deserve, separation from everybody. Our arrogance and our sin actually deserves our own separation from others around us. And so literally, just like Adam and Eve were separated from God, so Jesus at that moment was also separated from his father. And just like Adam and Eve were naked and ashamed, so was Christ naked on the cross, ashamed, paying the penalty for sin. And just as there was separation and fraction between man, we see man literally arguing with the creator himself as a man at that moment. And Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. You see, Jesus resurrected and he rose to show that sin was actually defeated. That if we believe in him, we can actually have connection to the father again. And just like Jesus ascended and regained that relationship with God in heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God, even right now. So he also rose and gave us the spirit that we might now be connected to each other just as he is now connected to us. And will one day connect us in perfection. The resurrection shows us that the story is not done, that even though creation was unraveling, that God is now mosaicing the creation back together, not only with God, but also with each other, creating a beautiful picture of the story of God. This is the work that we are in. Jesus's blood did not just purchase you as a son and a daughter. It also purchased you as a brother and a sister for each other. We are made for relationship, y'all. And so on this side of the resurrection, what do we now do in light of that? Now that we know Jesus has risen, how do we respond to that? I met my good friend uh, Allison Reed, Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11 for us. 
Hey Well Family, my name is Allison Burns. I serve as one of the team leads for the Welcome Team and I'm also a part of the East MLK CG. Today I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 2, 11 through 14. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This is the word of the Lord. And so, hey, the Gentiles that were once far off can now be brought back in as family. The Jews who were once hostile can now love those people. The racial or cultural or socioeconomic or gender or class or Aggie and Longhorn, right? <laughs> those in power and those oppressed, the tax collector and the zealot, this can now all dissipate in Christ. We can have true unity, true relationship and depth with one another, just like we were created to have once again because because of the resurrection of Christ, because we are now spirit empowered and that spirit unifies us under the blood of Jesus, we have the ability to be united, to have relationship truly thriving again. In fact, it is necessary if you are to be a disciple of Christ. Relationship with each other is necessary for our discipleship. Now listen, it takes work, right? Just as we've been discussing racially as a church, listen, man, there may be education or, or repentance or forgiveness or different things that need to be offered. Like it's not easy. We're still in the midst of the fall and yet we are working towards the kingdom and we want to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're willing to do that work. In fact, we desire to do that work that we might be unified with each other. This work is possible in Christ, y'all. We have the power to do this. Do you see how exalt actually drives our understanding of how we should fight for community? That as we look to Christ and realize that he himself dwells in perfect relationship. We realize what we were created for. And as we see the gospel and as we saturate our understanding in the gospel, we realize that sin has been paid for and we now have the ability to connect with one another because of the blood of Christ and that we can unify around something greater than ourselves. We can unify around our relationship with the Father. This is what we are called towards. And the Holy Spirit actually allows us to have that power he empowers us if we submit to him. Exalt drives our community. And so what does this look like in this corona-filled season, though, right? That's kind of forced us into isolation some. We'll look at that more in the next few weeks, but I do want to leave us with one thought that will kind of tee up the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm going to have my good friend Catherine read uh, Hebrews chapter 10 for us. Hey, Well Family, my name is Catherine Schramm. I am part of the 290 East Community Group and serve as coordinator on the Welcome Team. Today I'll be reading Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Real simple, right? But are you considering right now how you can fight for community? Look at that word, consider. Yeah, yeah. 
You got to think about it. Be active in the ways that you can do that. We know that Zoom isn't the most ideal, right? We know that the guided gatherings is not the most ideal. It's not. But man, can we still fight for connection in the midst of this? Can we consider this all the more like the text is as we see the day drawing near? Like, man, who knows when Jesus' return is? It might be soon, y'all. It might be 2,000 years from now. It doesn't matter. All the more as we see the day approaching. And if we're not careful, we will allow Corona to rock us asleep in apathy and isolation, not just harming us physically through death or emotionally or economically through job loss, but spiritually through isolation. And literally, once we are able to connect together again responsibly, we'll have lost the habit of meeting together and we will maintain this habit of isolation, no longer walking in our new creation or reflecting the kingdom that is to come. We got to fight against that, y'all. Fight for community. This is not an apathetic walk. The Christian walk, it labors and it labors towards something beautiful. We should fight for community. This is what Jesus was giving us. Jesus gave us the power to overcome this. And as he defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell itself and unified us with one another to connect us to God and each other, can't we overcome Corona, y'all? Or race or politics? Can't we overcome? that for connection with one another. Can I get personal real quick? Sure. Yeah? Only? Yes? Okay, good, good, okay. Uh, I I don't know about y'all, all all right? But I know that right now, my own soul is just kind of like, meh. Right? Like, literally, the condition of my soul is just okay at best. And there's really good things happening, actually, around me. And literally, no cap, I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been fasting. Like, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do personally, and yet I'm still not thriving. But that's just it. Personally. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do personally. Personally is only a part of the Christian life. This literally life is not meant to be just us in God or me in Jesus. It is meant to be us in people, me and his bride, the church, us in each other. You should be feeling a little hurt right now or maybe even really hurt right now because you're not able to serve each other, imaging and being like Christ in the process. You're not able to fully fellowship or sing and pray publicly, mourn with those who mourn or sharpen each other or spur one another on, at least not to the full extent. You were created for relationship, not just marriage, but community, friendship. And each relationship actually highlights God more fully to us. And so our marriage or our coworkers or our neighbors or our friends or our church community, each of those are an opportunity to grow more into Christ's likeness and to see Christ through them that we might be benefited and fall more in love with our Savior. You were created for relationship because you were created in the image of God, y'all. This is the the bottom line of this. And just as the Trinity serves one another, so we should be serving one another. And just as the Trinity sings joyfully over us, so we sing joyfully back to our triune God. We image and model God in all things, and relationship is one of the main ways that he exists, relationship with himself. And so 
can we fight for this at least a little, yeah. right? Like, like, and when this is done, whether it's two months from now or 20 months from now, will you refight for the very thing that God has designed you for? Will you refight for the rhythms that actually create nurturing in our souls? You were made for me and I was made for you and we were made for each other, each of us made for God. And we thrive and we are connected to one another. This is vital to our existence, okay? I'm over time, all right? And I have more to say, so I might just steal Adam's sermon next week. I'm just kidding, okay? Uh, but listen, flesh this out more this week in your community groups, okay? Maybe fight for community in your community groups this week as you're over Zoom. And you're like, I want to do another Zoom meeting. Yeah, we get it, y'all. We get it. Will you fight just a tiny bit? Even if it doesn't fill you the 10% it normally does, but 1%, 1% is better than your apathy leading towards your destruction. Wow. We need each other, y'all. And so I love y'all. Lord, I cannot wait to see y'all again. My soul needs it, okay? Until that day, let us fight for community, family. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for community. Um, I thank you that we know where we're going. Mm -hmm. That one day we will literally exist with all the saints of God singing out glory and hallelujah and blessed be the lamb forever. That every tongue, tribe, nation, culture will be present. That we will be unified not just with you but with each other. And we will dwell in perfect unity forever. That we will be friends forever. And we'll get to, to, to hoop in heaven or to, to build things in heaven or whatever we're doing. We'll get to do it together. We rejoice and look forward to that day. Until that day, God, help us to image it here on earth. Help us to fight for community, God, as hard as that is right now. God, help us not to grow apathetic or common with not gathering, but let us long to be together. And until we can, let us fight in every small way, whether it's Zoom or social distance walks or, or whatever it might be. Let us connect. We need it because we were created in your image. God, for everybody who has not received this sort of Christian fellowship, maybe because they don't know you, Christ, I pray that today they would give their lives to you, that they would realize that one of the benefits of a relationship with God is not just connection with the God of the universe, it's actually connection with his church. And as sloppy and as messy as we are right now, you are perfecting us. And one day there will be billions of perfected people able to dwell in harmony and bliss forever. God, I long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Until you come, I pray that we would fight for community and that our church would excel in that. We love you, Christ. We thank you. Praise things in your very precious and your very beautiful name. Amen.